Time to Talk Cowboys with R.J. Ochoa from Blogging the Boys on ESPN Central Texas. And welcome back to the Press Box here on ESPN Central Texas. And welcome in from Blogging the Boys, R.J. Ochoa. R.J., how are we today? I'm doing great, guys. Happy Wednesday. Uh, happy pork chop day in my house. I can't wait to have them for dinner. Ah, <laughs> oh, look at you. All right. Uh, grilled or how are you going? Uh, I'm throwing them on the smoker. I'm gonna let them, they're kind of thick, so I'm going to let them sit there for a few hours today. And if, they, uh, if they're terrible, they're Costco's fault. That's why I got them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I can see that. All right. I bet they'll be wonderful. Good for you. Hey, uh, the Cowboys pull the Frank Sinatra and they get the win over the Jets. Uh, after beating the Giants as well, 30-10. to 10. It, Are we ready to just go ahead and hand an NFC championship to this team, or do Cowboy fans need to tap a break a little bit here, RJ? Well, you know, Frank Sinatra loved Las Vegas, um, and that's uh, that's where the Super Bowl is this year. And um, it's, it's really difficult um, to not kind of think that this is the best team in the NFL. I think that um, – you know, I, I know you guys are familiar with the um, the audio library of Papa Roach, a real popular alternative rock musician in the early 2000s. He said that um, the scars remind us that the pain is real. And I think that's what's holding everybody back. Because everybody's kind of, you know, I've, I've been here before. I've seen this before. Um, I've seen really good teams. You know, I've seen historical feats. And you think about it, you know, the Cowboys, if they get a win on Sunday and, and they're extremely favored to do so, they'll be 3-0. and um, the last two Dallas Cowboys teams to start off 3-0 both missed the playoffs, right? Like, there are, there are no parades that are organized in September, and I think that that's the, that's the grounding that I think everybody's holding to, which is probably a good thing given how we've had our hearts broken before. When you look at the, the previous game against the Jets and the big win, what is the one thing that stood out to you and you go, wow, this, this, this thing is absolutely trending in the right direction? I think it says something when – when you can be dominant um, when you're expected to be. Um, and, and I think, you know, we all, I mean, we talked a week ago, said, okay, the Cowboys are going to throw this Jets offense around. Um, but I think in the back of our minds, you know, because it's the NFL, right? And every, any given Sunday, maybe, maybe Zach Wilson is this hero character. And, you know, maybe, maybe we're the victims of these circumstances, but um, to just annihilate that, I mean, like it, it's, it's unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's this thing that, that is inevitable. I mean, it's, I really have, have, you know, for the majority of my life, any Cowboys team that has been successful has been so because of this sometimes erratic, but sometimes consistent success on the offensive side of the ball. It is very strange, especially in modern times where offense rules all to have a defense that you can set your watch by that you can trust to not only you know, get a stop or whatever, but to demoralize teams, to obliterate them. And so I really, you know, it sounds foolish to say I was surprised by that, but I was surprised with exactly how dominant they were. They are off to this incredible start, an incredible pace. I mean, it's historic what they're doing on that side of the ball. RJ, you talked about how dominant the Cowboys were in that game. The time of possession just blew me away after I saw it. 42-15 for the Cowboys to 17-45 for the Jets. I believe that's the big, the most lopsided time of possession since like 85. Just kind of goes to your point about how dominant Dallas was in this game and has been in both games. 
I agree. And, you know, I, I again, at the risk of, of saying everything the Cowboys are doing is perfect, you know, um, it's it's really difficult to find a problem. And a problem that, that people have had or have identified this week has been their level of red zone efficiency, uh, settling for field goals. And, I, I you know, it's it, it sounded so dumb when Mike McCarthy said that he wasn't focused on lighting up the scoreboard. But, I mean, you know, there are – data points and you know statistics and analytics to prove this and that but there is something to playing the way he he seems to want to to kind of balancing an overall attack to to you know not scoring too quickly um you know they they hand the trophy out at the end of this thing to the best overall team who scores the most you know points but but just because you're the number one offense in the nfl doesn't mean that that ultimately winds up being you um, you know, I've, I've mentioned it a few times this week, but the Micah Parsons strip that was just stupid amazing. Uh, the immediate offensive possession of the Cowboys after that, Tony Romo had this huge problem with, um, I mean, I would say huge problem, but he, he was discussing it on the broadcast and saying how on that third down, the Cowboys didn't have any receivers even run to the sticks. And I'm not saying that I think that Mike McCarthy was planning on settling for a field goal, but I think that Mike McCarthy, to your point, looks at that and says, yeah, okay, you know, we settled for three points, but we took two and a half minutes off the clock. And in the second half of that game, that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to burn this thing down. We want this candle completely gone so we can get out of Dodge with another win. How demoralizing do you think it was for the Jets on the very first play of the game when you know they went into this game with their quarterback not real comfortable with making him throw the ball around the yard as much as, as they would have been? Uh, but so they say, we're going to run the ball and protect him. First play, Demarcus Lawrence dumps him for a four-yard loss. That kind of set the tone for the entire game, didn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's the Simpsons meme, right? Like, I'm in danger, right? Like, it's like your worst fears coming to life. Um, and and that's that's really what it was. And uh, I'm a fan, as I think many people are, of when you win the toss, deferring, because, you know, everybody wants to double dip and whatever. In this circumstance, and I obviously, like all of us, have the benefit of hindsight, I sort of love that McCarthy, you know, wanted to, to, to play defense first because I think you're right. I think the Jets really thought to themselves, you know, in, in their longest of hopes that, okay, we'll come out, you know, we'll start on defense and we'll get a three and out. We'll kind of get that energy. And, and Mike McCarthy wanted to, to snuff that torch like he was Jeff Probst. And to your point, that very first play, I mean, how could you? How could you possibly? It wasn't even like it was Michael Parsons who did something, right? Like it's like, oh man, like we have to deal with the other amazing pass rusher on this team, and he's the great run defender. It it really, I think, um, sets you even further back, and let's you know, is a reminder that you're swimming against the current all day long. R.J. Ochoa blogging the boys with us in the press box on ESPN Central Texas, and R.J. Uh, speaking of Micah Parsons, gets the NFC Defensive Player of the Week, well deserved. But Dan Quinn also said you haven't seen it all yet. How scary is that? opposing offenses i think the scariest thing um and i saw this this morning shout out to the great bob stern from the ticket of dallas um who has a, a sub stack that's really worth reading micah isn't even being used as much as a pass rusher as he has over each of the last two years uh, or at least last year uh from a percentage standpoint so like that's the thing like i think we're, we're kind of you know lost in this like oh man they're just selling out they're unleashing micah out of the cage you know every single play that's not what they're doing like they are conserving him so i mean i completely buy that take from dan quinn and, and i think that that you know kind of speaks to what we first started talking about 
you know, the Cowboys, they, they know what it's like to flex on teams in September. They, they know what it's like. I don't know if you guys remember, you know, Tony Romo used to dominate the month of November. We called it Romo mm-hmm. November. Like, they, they, they know all of that. They have been there. They have done that. They have sang these songs. But, but they know that they are on, you know, mile two of the marathon. And you, you cannot, you know, run through the finish line yet. And so you have to conserve energy. That was why, you know, I personally thought it was a little bit foolish to to put money on Micah winning defensive player of the year because I thought that the Cowboys would put him on ice, you know, that they wouldn't utilize him all the way. And generally to win awards like that, you have to, you know, play a lot and get sacks and things. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it is it is amazing. It's actually impossible that, that this season is going the way it is so far for them. Everything is happening exactly the way they would have tailored it out, um, which, you know, speaks to the way that they're coached. Ronald Jones released after the suspension. No surprise there, was it, RJ? I really liked him. Uh, you know, the, the week that I spent at training camp, but it's so hard to find spots for people. I mean, Rico Dowdle looked so good. And even then, you know, that led to Malik Davis not making the team. And Deuce Vaughn obviously has opportunity. Kevontae Torkin's getting utilized out of the backfield. He's already seen more offensive touches through two games this year than he did through all of last season. And so, um, there, there's only one ball, and, and that's the, the prime when, when you have a scouting department that can discover all these players. And uh, Ronald Jones obviously has some talent, but unfortunately it's a numbers game. And fortunately for him, there are seemingly some teams that are in need of a running back right now across the rest of the league. We've talked about it a couple of times, especially in the preseason, but, man, do I, do I have egg on my face about the kicking game. I was so worried. Brandon Aubrey struggled, obviously, in in training camp and in the preseason, but he's just been lights out after he missed that first extra point. It's been kind of amazing to watch. Yeah, he's made seven field goals through his first two career NFL games. He's one of only five kickers in the Super Bowl era to do that. And, and some of that is, I mean, you have to have the opportunities. Uh, Richie Cunningham actually did it, so um, not the happy days kick. Uh, but, uh, <laughs> My next question. So, yeah, so so Aubrey is, um, is only the second Cowboy to do it. Um, but I mean, he's nobody else in that stretch of the other, you know, three non Cunningham ones had a 55 yarder. I mean, you know, he's, he's booming these things from downtown and yeah, I mean, look, I, I trusted the Cowboys, but that's really all this was. I didn't believe in Brandon Aubrey, no offense to him, <laughs> right. uh, but the Cowboys proved last year that, that they could kind of close their eyes and, and figure this out. And I think that we have seen the emergence of, again, so many great avenues of coaching. Dan Quinn gets all the love for that, rightly so. But what Mike McCarthy's done on the offensive side of the ball, what John Fossil has done on special teams, not just this year, but, I mean, this year alone, he's got a blocked field goal, you know, that, that set the tone for the season. Uh, Kevontae Turpin hasn't made an impact in the return game. But, I mean, you've, you've got, obviously, Brandon Aubrey, who they believed in, who, who they said, you know, everybody, you, you, can, you can scream, you can holler, you can do what you want. But we believe in this dude. And so far, to your point, everybody else looks silly and they look smart. CeeDee Lamb gets 100 yards and a half of football and then continues to pile up yards. But for CeeDee Lamb to be able to do that in that situation without Brandon Cooks on the field, when he gets back, how good could this receiving core be? You know, I honestly think that Cooks might be a little bit moot. Um, now, there's an obvious benefit to having him on the field and whatnot. Like, you know, that's just kind of common sense to your point. But what, what was so impressive was how, you know, obviously we didn't get a, a 
a real good look at, at the Cowboys' offensive identity and offensive scheme in week one for very good reasons. Uh, but, you know, we have a, a little bit more data to kind of look at after the Jets game. And it's very clear and it's very obvious that Mike McCarthy is going to do what he can to scheme C.D. Lamb open. It isn't just this matter of kind of, you know, putting your hands up and saying, all right, let's help Brandon Cooks draws all this attention. Um, and that CD can kind of benefit because he's CD Lamb. No, I mean, you know, Mike McCarthy is, is setting pick plays and things like that to get CD Lamb in open space. Uh, the big game he had early in the game was kind of a result of that, of Jake Ferguson and Jalen Tolbert doing the dirty work. And I mean, you know, when, when you put Brandon Cooks on the field, it obviously only hopefully exponentially increases things. I think that Michael Gallup, um, you know, had to kind of fall on the sword last week and, and run up, you know, run track with Sauce Gardner for most of the game, but that worked to the benefit of CD Lamb. And I, I don't think poorly of Kellen Moore, but that's that's a difference. Is is you're you know finding ways. That's the responsibility of a coach of an offensive play caller. Is you have to be the person to put your playmakers in positions to win and to succeed. And CD Lamb certainly has that going for him this year. RG Ochoa with us, and you know my thoughts on Kellen Moore, and so I'm. I, I like the way Mike McCarthy calls plays. You can tell in, in this offense, even in the two blowouts, that he is setting things up for later on in the game, the way he calls plays. And if you're going to be successful in this league, or any league, really, you've got to be able to do that. Kellen Moore couldn't. I mean, you know, the lowest hanging fruit is the sweetest for a reason. And it, it seems that Mike is really kind of focused on, on just taking what's in front of him. Um, I don't know how much you all saw the Chargers overtime loss in Tennessee last weekend. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I don't mean to pick one possession and say, oh, Kellen Moore's a loser. But uh, the Chargers started that overtime period with the ball in first down, go downtown, incomplete. Second down, go downtown, incomplete. And so that's third and 10. And, of course, it's incomplete and you punt and, and then you lose because those are you know the way things get going. And so it seems that my, you know, again, back to kind of what we talked about a little while ago at the Combine, it sounded really dumb, you know, in a vacuum for Mike McCarthy to say, look, Kellen wants to light up the scoreboard. Um, you know, I want to kind of win games. And again, I'm paraphrasing there, but it seems that Mike, you know, because he's the head coach and he has more pressure on himself, he, he has more to focus on than, than just the success uh, of the offensive side of the ball. It seems like he has a knack for, for marrying, you know, the different phases of the game together in, in perfect synchronization and perfect harmony. And obviously the, a lot of that comes from experience. I mean, the dude has been around the NFL forever and he has seen and done things. And, and he knows that, you know, if you try to get too cute, you know, it can come back to haunt you. And, you know, it, some of that sounds like football cliche, like, oh, you got to win time of possession and you got to run to set up the pass. And, and those aren't things that I believe in personally. But, I mean, it does seem clear and obvious that Mike has a, a great feel uh, for what is necessary, uh, and he's able to kind of call what the Cowboys need, not just on offense, but through their offense for the overall good of the overall team. RJ, when you look at this game coming up with the Cardinals, look, the Cardinals have obviously decided that they want the first pick in the draft, and it's been talked about that they're tanking and everything else. But, I mean, Steve, it's still an NFL game. Is there any position that worries you, though, with head-to-head quarterback, head-to-head offensive line, defensive line? Is there any place that the Cardinals match up well with the Cowboys on this field? I mean, again, I, I know that everyone's saying, like, chill out. You know, I, I like it better when, when the media hates on the Cowboys and doubts us and whatever. No. I mean, you know, Buda Baker might have been that answer, uh, but he's not injured his head. And so, I mean, 
this should, I mean, look, they're 12 point favorites on the road for a reason. Um, and so this should be a pretty, you know, kind of standard, do your thing, get in, get out, get to three and oh kind of deal. And if you get to three and oh, I read an article this morning that'll go out later this week at our site. Since the merger, since the Super Bowl era in 1970, 74% of teams that start off 3-0 go on to make the playoffs. And 42% of them, have, of those uh, you know teams, have won the Super Bowl. And so, or made the Super Bowl, excuse me, 21 have won the Super Bowl. And so, um, you, you can't do it all. And that's where I think they are very focused. I think that they understand, look, we're supposed to beat the crap out of these guys. And we may very well go out and do that. But, you know, if we're 3-0, we'll be the same 3-0 as the Falcons, if they win this week, as the Eagles, if they win this week, you know, there, there is nothing that puts us ahead of anybody else just because our point differential or our turnover differential or our sack numbers are better. We have to keep going. We have to keep things one week at a time. How ugly could this game get with this defense against this Cardinals offense that, that, that really, I don't think the Cardinals offense can get out of their own way. I mean, you know, I, I think that, Sustainability of what the Cowboys are doing is, is not going to hold. I mean, I don't. I saw a great friend of mine, Bobby Belt from the Fan in Dallas, uh, tweeted this yesterday that um, neither the Giants nor Jets have taken a snap um, past the Cowboys' 40-yard line in the second half of either of these past two games. So, I mean, like, you know, at some point, somebody's going to score a touchdown on you in the fourth quarter or something. Right? Like, these cute little things that, that, you know, do well on social media are all going to fall. And maybe that happens here. Maybe they don't cover, right? Like, um, I, I could see them, I don't want to say taking their foot off the gas, but the objective is, is to go in and win, right? And, and and not necessarily to accrue style points or anything like that. And so, yeah, I, I mean, maybe it's a, you know, 21 to 6 game early on and the Cowboys know that they can kind of dial things back and don't have to keep their foot on the gas. But I don't know that we're going to see 40 to nothing or 30 to 10 again. I mean, but I could be wrong. I mean, I see these dudes keep giving me impossible. So maybe they do kind of go out there and just demolish another team for the third week in a row. RJ, do you think we see more of Tolbert this week? You know, I mean, maybe in the second half, again, kind of in, in that vein. Um, I know that he obviously had an opportunity last week with Brandon Cooks not playing and didn't light up the box score, but was really great, you know, in the blocking game and, and drew a really critical penalty uh, in the end zone, which is always a valuable thing. And so I think he's, you know, he's, he's definitely carving out more of that role, but, you know, we're at week three, right? You can't make that kind of leap or any kind of seismic leap. But I definitely think that, you know, he's making it very difficult to not involve him on offense, and that's a good problem to have. I'm going to put you on the spot here, but give me one place in this game that you're worried, tight end, receiver, linebacker, anywhere. Is there anywhere that RJ's concerned? Yeah, I would say the running game, if, if I have to be honest, because I think that there will be a high level of expectation. Obviously, it's only Wednesday, but the anticipation is that Tyler Smith will play uh, this week and make his season debut. And, and that will mean that for the first time since the Cowboys drafted him, from left to right, they will have Tyron Smith, Tyler Smith, Tyler Biotisak, Martin Terrence Still, That has never happened just you know because of injuries and things like that um, all through the beginning of last year. Um, so I think there will be this expectation like, oh, poof, like Tony Pollard's going to have 200 yards. And, and even then, Tony Pollard is, has seen the most touches through, you know, a two-game set at any point throughout his career. He's coming off of a career high in carries, right? Like, do the Cowboys, you know, I think that that's everyone's concern, right, is that you're just going to burn these dudes up too fast. And so, um, you know, that may, I would be concerned that maybe Tony Pollard would hit too many carries or that the Cowboys would dial it back because they want to, you know, go to the opposite end of the spectrum. So, 
Um, and, and the run game is an important facet in what they want to do because they do want to dominate time of possession. So you do have to be able to kind of move things methodically, uh, matriculate down the field, as Hank Stram said once upon a time. So, I mean, that would be my concern. But, you know, we're talking a panic level of maybe three or four out of ten right now. R.J. Ochoa blogging the boys with us in the press box on ESPN Central Texas. Final score coming up this week of Cowboys-Cardinals. I'll say 27 to 13. Um, ah. Light cover. Um, you know, and it maybe isn't as impressive, and uh, maybe it's a little closer than we would like. Maybe 27-16. Uh, and that leads to uh, and maybe they don't run the ball all too well. And that, of course, sets up the narrative with Zeke Gully returning next week about how he would be running the ball really well for the Cowboys. We're always looking for sports. You know. RJ Ochoa blogging the boys. RJ, enjoy the pork chops. Appreciate the time as always. We'll talk to you next week, man. Thanks a lot, guys. They're going to be delicious. Y'all have a good week. All right. There he goes. RJ Ochoa. <laughs> so good. He is. A lot of fun. Blogging the boys. Check it out. Uh, you can find it. Just uh, log in. Blogging the boys dot com.